Uh, hello, welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys building, buying, and growing wonderful internet companies. How's that for an <laughs> intro? <laughs> that's a new intro. That's good. I was thinking we need music, but that's even better. That's even better. Building, buying, and growing internet companies. Yeah, I could get another B in there. Building, buying, yeah. and something like that. But yeah, the avocado one was limiting. So we're talking about this acquisition that we closed this week. So Brent, did you uh, pop any champagne over the weekend? I I popped a beer, beer too. <laughs> it was really good, you know. And I'm not not a big drinker as of late, but um, it was definitely reason to celebrate. My wife and I actually went out to dinner for the first time in like forever. We went to this uh, local spot called Dante, which had the probably the most secure setup I've seen in a restaurant, where it's like plexiglass to the nines, and it was great to go out. And so we we were definitely celebrating. Um, uh, the close on Friday, which I feel like went really well. So just to give background, if, if people are, are tuning in for the first time, uh, Colin, you, you really sourced this deal. Um, where did, where did you find it? So I found it on micro acquire. So most marketplaces for this kind of thing are pretty crappy, uh, in micro fire choir by Andrew Gazdecki, uh, like a serial entrepreneur who started this. And I knew it was like in the early stages and so I paid for a premium membership to see these deals and looked at a bunch of them. And this was the one that came across that was by far the most interesting. And the other way to do this is through brokers. So I want to start building up like my own you know, proprietary deal sourcing, but yeah, starting with the marketplace is a, a pretty good approach. Yeah. The brokers have been always the way that I've seen this sort of these types of businesses traffic. But the problem with brokers is there's sort of a deal size minimum to make it worth their while. And I've also seen a fair amount of brokers that are, how do I, how do you put it? Like business coaches. It's like they're one part business coach and they're one part or sort of like growth coaches. And then they're one part brokers is like, they tend to be the people that have a lot of <laughs> frustrated founders that want to, to step away from the business. But there's a minimum uh, obviously with that around revenue and, and to make it worth their while. And obviously there's a fee that goes to the, to the broker. But this is an interesting sort of smaller deal size. Therefore, I think, you know, it fit our appetite a little bit more. Microacquire definitely specializes in SaaS deals and then in these like pre-broker phase. So it's hmm. the way he monetizes is I paid 300 bucks to have a year membership, like a premium membership to Microacquire as a buyer. And then it, it's free on the seller side to list. And then he takes no transaction fee. So what this ends up being is like a lot of like the standard deal is probably something that launched on like product hunt a few years ago and got mm. like 5k MRR. So it's definitely almost all stuff that is, I'd say sub 200k MRR and many in like the five figures or so, uh, yeah. ARR. Yeah. Which is uh, honestly that that's the target in my mind for these types of deals where it's like, Hey, somebody needs to come in, breathe some life into it. And I, I don't want to call it a turnaround, right? You're, but it's sort of what, what they call it in the PE world, right? You're going to come in, turn the business around and, you know, amp things up. And so, um, so yeah, we, we had been, we did roughly a month of diligence, maybe two to three weeks of, you know, going through, um, the tech going through the business, you recreated all the financials based on, you know, the information that we had and everything checked out and, uh, as well as on, on the 
tech side of things, everything checked out. And it seemed, you know, I was very skeptical and that tends to be my nature is like, oh God, you know, this is a, it is an older business. It's been around for roughly 10 years. And so there's technical debt. There's definitely, you know, there, there's interesting aspects of it that when hearing about it for the first time, I was like, oh, this is going to be where all the investment and why, you know, we're sort of getting this price. We're having to to make these changes, but actually it was in it's really good shape. It had uh, strong stewardship throughout, you know, all the the different hands that it's it's sort of been through or phases of growth that it's been through. And so it looked really good. And I feel like my experience on these types of deals has just been kind of move as fast as possible and don't let the momentum waver. And I feel like we did a really good job of with our deal partner. Like he was great as well to, to hey, we, we want to keep this rolling and we don't want to slow down. We don't, you know, everything kept the momentum throughout. There was no wavering. There was no, well, you know, we found this and we want to think about it. It was all very, felt like we kind of had our minds made up once we saw the proof and, you know, moved, did our necessary diligence and um, got to closing. Yeah. So diligence probably only took realistically a few days and we were really excited about the price. And I felt like we would probably get outbid if it like, like waited in the wings too long. So I definitely wanted to move fast. And then the biggest hiccup on our end, not really a hiccup, but just the legal took probably two weeks. So it's like a week of diligence and like two weeks of back and forth on legal after like the main stuff was already kind of settled. So that was the biggest right. delay all in, I'd say it was about a month. And you know, all the credit to the person that sold us the business. Like he was very organized. He's older than both of us. He's been through acquisitions before and selling before and uh, kind of like, you know, escorted us through the whole process. So you couldn't have asked for a better, you know, counterparty in this. Yeah. Yeah. He really knew what he, what he was doing. He had been through this before and yeah, there was no, it was just very amicable. It was very, and I think there's part of this of like, and he said this, but you know, it's hard to know how much of it's true, which is like, I feel like it's going to be in good hands. We're not going to be like ripping it apart and spinning out the product of something new. We're, we're going to be improving it and, and hopefully turning it into a household name. Um, but uh, <laughs> how do you feel like, so, you know, as the closing happens, there's, you know, there's a, the whole legal process is the legal process. And there's, unfortunately, there is no sort of like Stripe Atlas or Auric for, for the, these types of deals for APAs, for asset purchase agreements. And when I talk about Auric or Stripe Atlas, these are like boilerplate, generally standardized and accepted terms for purchasing assets. Because all we did is purchase the assets of the business. We didn't really, uh, we didn't purchase the liabilities. We didn't purchase any of their cash. They took their cash, they took their liabilities and we purchased the, you know, the the pieces of the, of the business that we wanted. So um, unfortunately, yeah, there's no boilerplates. So we had to kind of work through the legal piece, which we kind of expected. And that felt normal. And then you come to the closing table where it's like, okay, wire the money and then, okay, give us the, the logins to everything. And yeah, I feel like that's been pretty smooth, right? There's always this kind of like, who's going to move first. And, you know, the agreement contemplates this. The agreement was like, we could do escrow, which we talked about. And, uh, the seller was open to doing, but we were just like, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's going to take some time. And, and again, the seller had already been through this and he's like, you know, there are, there's probably 20 to 30 accounts. They're going to take time. Some of them are going to move immediately. Some of them are going to take a while, like potentially up to a week because they're one of them specifically like an older institution. But I feel like once we 
started seeing like the domain name moving and like the code bases moving over. Like as soon as that stuff comes over, there's like, you're kind of past a point in a return. I feel like it's safe to, to wire. And plus we had everything signed, right? So for some reason we wired over the money and then he disappears or everybody disappears and we were, you know, kind of left standing with something. It, it just seems like, and again, I'm super skeptical and sort of pessimistic. And I guess you're the, you're the optimist in this situation, but like, <laughs> even then, like, I just couldn't really see that benefiting because of the way the deal is structured. So we did do an element of, you know, seller side financing, right? So we're going to continue to have this person around and keep paying them on a monthly basis. So there's just no benefit to them. You know, sure, they could walk away with a, a lump of money, but I don't know, we had signed agreements, we have enough information about them to track them down. It's like, I don't know. I guess it would be a huge inconvenience, but I felt like it was pretty safe. Yeah, you it's you were probably a little calmer in this process than I was. So I felt like maybe I misunderstood what we had kind of talked about initially. I thought what was going to happen was, so in escrow, everything, all the passwords, the logins and everything gets put in escrow and our cash gets put in escrow. And then we would get the logins and everything, everything would transfer to us and we'd give the thumbs up and our cash would be released. So my understanding was that we would do exactly that. Like they would move first, they'd give us everything. Once we confirmed we had everything, we would give them the cash. But it, this acting ended up working out to be like, they gave us a little stuff. And then he's like, hey, when are you wiring the money? And then we just, we had, so they wanted to use our lawyers as effectively like an escrow for the signed documents. So the lawyers were holding <laughs> yeah. on to all the signed documents and we didn't want to pay our lawyer like all this money to be like an additional escrow. So we basically, you know, gave the thumbs up, transferred half the money just because we had a hiccup on my end. Uh, Chase, you know, flagged my money laundering. <laughs> didn't love these random large movements of cash. So there's a like a two day delay there. Um, so we ended up giving all the money before we got access to everything. And we still don't quite have access to everything. Like I'm not able, we don't have emails, right? That, that, that's the biggest thing we're still missing, I think. Yeah, but like, I don't know, once I saw, so we, we gave half up front and that half on Friday was, I mean, we had the domain transferred. We had all the servers, all the tech, like we effectively, when you have the domain, that's, that's to me, like we can set up our own email. We don't really have to wait and we don't have to really transfer their Gmail accounts or, or email. Like we have the domain, we have power over the, the top level domain, which we can then point email to something else. We could set up new email accounts, which we don't want to do, but we could if we had to, right? And, mm -hmm. and we do want to keep everything running and not have any disruptions for the uh, you know, end customers. So in my mind, once we had the domain transfer, which was on Friday, like we, we basically have power over the business. Um, and again, we have the signed docs, but yeah, we still have stuff that's like hanging out there that's, you know, um, very minor that doesn't affect the operation of the business that's still outstanding. But I, I think this is the reality and why there isn't an existing, like even escrow doing a, a domain name transfer. It's like, that's a multi-day, generally a multi-day process. I mean, it can be done quickly. You can, depending on the domain registrar, but like that's a, how do you put that stuff in escrow, right? It's like, oh, well, I sent the transfer, right? You had to get like a code for me send it to them. They then initiate the transfer that is still pending. Like I have one of them transferred. There's three other sort of vanity domains that haven't transferred that still take time. And it's like, you know, I don't want to be flip about how much money is, you know, at stake. But then again, I'm still 
like because of the seller side financing, it's like, hey, we're, they're not going anywhere. Like they, they're just going to basically like the worst case scenario is they were to just disappear, right? It's like, what is it um, with Michael Douglas, the the game, right? Where he yeah. goes to a doctor's office and then he shows up the next day and it's like, it's empty. And you're like, oh, I've been gaslighting. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's the worst case scenario where it's like, oh my God, this wasn't even a real company. And like they had a fake lawyer and, you know, all this the diligence was, was just, you know, carefully uh, put together for you. But no, I mean, they want us to stick around and they want us to be successful. So I feel like it's, it is helpful. Had we not have that seller side financing, it was like, Hey, they were just gonna get their payout and be done. Then yeah, I probably would have felt slightly different about not doing an escrow, but um, I feel like there's a good alignment there. For sure. And we've been running into like some minor issues since closing and they've been responsive and I think they'll have to continue to be responsive and we'll have to work together just on like this transfer stuff is not like one day it switches everything. Like we'll have to do a right. reconcile in 30 days. Like you have some of my money, we have some of your money, that yep. kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, and the good news is, is like, actually I would throw this question out to you. It's like, had it not been the time of COVID and had we met the deal partner face-to-face, would you feel differently? Uh, I probably feel better. I think you always feel better when you spend time with people in person, like humans are just you know, wired to judge other humans in person. And so right. we, I've, we've actually never had a zoom. We've only had phone calls. And so, I mean, I trust the counterparty for sure. And I felt good about it. We both have like a histories of sorts, I guess, in tech mm-hmm. that I don't think people are trying to blow up their reputation over this amount of money. Um, so yeah, right. I felt good about you know, moving forward with everything generally. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like um, I would have expected to meet, but it's COVID. I mean, it's just not not going to happen. And it was kind of cool to see this happen without, you know, just some phone calls and um, it happened so quickly. So we're really excited in thinking about like what the next steps are for the business. I mean, I think the fun part of this is that there's so much possibility. And I think it, it really comes down to the amount of energy you're able to kind of, I mean, obviously there's cash, that's an important aspect, but it's also the energy of like, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And you could kind of tell they, the energy was just kind of tapped out there. They were, they've spent a lot of time in the business. They have grown it. They've seen, you know, highs and lows and they're just kind of done with it. So I think it's an interesting enough product to uh, expand upon, improve, you know, work with and, and really put energy into growing it. And I think it'll it's like the right type of business for this kind of model. Yeah. And just as far like we could talk about immediate next steps a little bit. So my immediate next steps were is set up a Trello board. So we have all these ideas for the future and just like kind of track on the product and growth side, you know, what we're working on, what we're going to progress through. My other things are just like immediately cut costs. So there's so many, there are a bunch of like legacy expenses that were wildly overblown. So the two biggest ones kind of on the marketing front, uh, customer IO they had running like all the emails um, that get sent to users. And they they or someone in the past had uploaded 60,000 dummy emails um, into like a test account that never actually sent any emails out. And they were getting billed like 400 bucks a month for this and like 250 over what it should have been purely for this like dummy test account that I just had to delete and be like, Hey, fix this. I don't want to be, you know, paying extra money. So now it was 400 down to 150, like, uh, very quickly. 
So that was a big win. And then Zendesk is on some kind of insane plan where it's $300 a month. And there's only a few customer service requests every month. So you don't even really need Zendesk at that point. So working on you know, shutting that down and moving all the help articles just to Webflow. And then the other big one is just move the marketing site from WordPress to Webflow. So we're better prepared to do all the you know, marketing initiatives going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing on the tech side for the short term. Um, there's probably a little extra spend. There's a fair amount of just, Hey, did anybody take a hard look at all these services? Can we consolidate? Can we downgrade? Are we, you know, seeing the usage necessary? So probably save a couple hundred bucks a month. And then I think the next step is, uh, start reaching out to customers. I think we need to talk to as many customers as possible over the next month and get their sense, you know, how they use it, what they're using it for, what they wish it had. I mean, we could build a whole backlog based on what we think our customers want, but I think just talking to people, understanding where the business fits into their, you know, how they operate and and what else could we add? I mean, are there value-added services? Are there other services that we want to, to provide and just building the business? I mean, I think that's number one is just talking to the customers besides cutting costs. Yeah, there's a term for it where you basically corral like 30 of your customers and make them like your king customers that you interview and you give them beta. What do, what do you call that? You call this something in the product world? Oh, yeah. Uh, what do I call it? Not, not partner. What it, uh, we used to call them partners, but they're not really partners. Uh, I know on past projects, what do we call them? Uh, power users or something. I don't know. We, we have created like a, what did we call that? It, it's like they're one part testers, but they're, they're our power users. Essentially, they're giving us feedback. They're getting access. They're on like a special support loop. So they get direct uh, access to us. I feel like we came up with a special name for that. But it, it, yeah, essentially it's, you know, your, your power users that are almost like beta users where they, they get access. And we typically, those people get free access. So I don't know if we want to do that, but, um, you know, you basically comp their um, subscriptions and say in, in, in consideration of that, you know, send us your feedback, send us what we're doing right, send us what we're doing wrong and be a little more active um, in, in the roadmap. So, and I would say, I just looked at the database this morning and I was saying there, there are a handful of comp subscriptions that are in there. So we may want to reach out to those people first or understand the story behind them, understand you know what their sort of story is and how they're using the product. And maybe they already had kind of participation to that front. Cool. Uh, yeah, sounds like a plan. Anything else you wanted to cover? No, no. I think this has been, this has been the story of uh, buying a business on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) On a podcast. To be continued. We'll keep it going here. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone.